Hello and welcome to episode 46 of Everyone is Everything. Today is my conversation with Clay Drinko. He is an author and educator. He writes for Psychology Today about the intersection between improv comedy, science, and everyday life. That's actually where I first heard of him was reading his articles on Psychology Today, which are really great, really practical, and just understandable, accessible. So I highly recommend those, first of all. He's also an author of an academic book, Connecting Improv and Cognitive Science, which is Theatrical Improvisation, Consciousness, and Cognition. But he has a most recent book, is, and this is kind of the one that we talk about the most in this episode, which is Play Your Way to Sane, 120 Improv-Inspired Exercises to Help You Calm Down, Stop Spiraling, and Embrace Uncertainty. So it's a really fun conversation. It's a really practical conversation. And that's always something I look for, you know, when people talk about any ways to to improve how we engage with life, with ourselves, with the challenges we face is give me practical ways of doing that. Give me tools, you know. I'm not looking to just have theories on how to how to potentially improve how I engage but actual practical tools and clay does that and it's a fun way and that's so good in my opinion and the conversation was so good and I'm excited for you to listen to it so go find play your way to saying and check out his articles on psychology today and enjoy clay drinko Here we go. Now it's official. Well, first of all, um, Clay, thank you for taking your time to talk to me. Thank you. Thanks for inviting yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, I I saw your articles on psychology today. It was how I first found you. And oftentimes I'll invite people kind of I'll do a lot of searching for people, but then once I see somebody that grabs me i just like invite <laughs> like right away like i don't watch interviews or anything beforehand and once i saw your book title after i read the article i was like yeah we're doing this is cool <laughs> like i, I don't awesome. care i gotta talk to this guy so um yeah i appreciate it i appreciate uh your time so since a lot of your articles and obviously your book we're going to talk about improv. There's, I think, I don't know how many days you can go without having an improv conversation at this point. Uh, almost zero at this okay. point. <laughs> okay. I figured as much. Um, so I'm not trying to be original in that sense because we got to, it's just such a cool perspective. But before we start kind of digging into um, just yes anding our lives, I, I want to know. And I just thought about this like three minutes before we got on. I was like, I wonder what his first improv class was like, like what your first experience was, because I I have watched a couple short interviews and I'm like, man, it feels like. Like I want to try after talk hearing about and that's terrifying, but I still I, I think a lot of people probably say, man, you know, we can use this in regular life and maybe I, I can try it in in a formal capacity and then i was like i wonder what your feelings and how it's happened and how do you get your foot in 
I, it was my first year of college. I went to the College of Worcester and uh, there were some flyers up for, you know, audition for the, you know, campus improv group. Uh, and I had no idea what that meant. I'm, I'm from a small town, you know, farming community in Ohio. We did not have improv, you know, clubs in the 80s and 90s. Um, and some of my friends were like, oh, you're funny. You should do it. So I really went in totally not knowing what to wow. expect uh, right into the audition. Um, and I had done theater before. So I was like right. a sort of drama, you know, drama mm -hmm. nerd in high school and continuing into college. And so I went to the audition and I just, you know, they explained the games to us. And so they sort of explained it and then we would try it out. And um, I it was probably better that I didn't know what it was because right. I was just really listening to what the instructions were and I would jump yeah. in and try it, try my best. And I just remember even that audition being really fun. Mm -hmm. um, like one of the games was um, to have an object and you have to like pass it back and forth between you and another person coming up with as many different things that the object could be as possible. Um, and I had never done that before. That was not like a regular theater game for me. Right. And I just remember it being so fun to try to come up with all the like wacky different things. And plus I was like in college, I'm like 17, 18 years old. So I'm thinking of some like pretty risque ideas right. and uh, which just made it more fun, right? I felt right. like I was being playful and naughty and silly. Um, and so I got in and uh, it, it was such a great, um, the the improv group on campus, I think they're still around. They're called Don't Throw Shoes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was it was like a family. Like we rehearsed all the time and we practiced and we, you know, we toured at one point doing shows at, at different colleges, uh, you know, around. And right. It was, uh, it was, it was magical. I think it was, it was just this kind of experience where I didn't know what I was getting into, but as I started to learn more and more of like what improv really is, it only got more and more and more fun. Wow. You know, that's, it's so cool to hear that story. I'm glad that that last minute question struck me because it's so cool to hear like that you started without even knowing talk about un embracing uncertainty like yeah. like from the get-go and um and there's so many little points that i see still in the themes of your writing you know playfulness and like i just said embracing uncertainty which um just to I, i'll i'll add an intro to this where i talk I, I talk about your book specifically but just to to make sure people know what i'm talking about your your book play your way to sane um, which is 120 improvised exercises to help calm down, stop spiraling and embrace uncertainty. And it seems like those were kind of the guiding, like play, just the word play. Like if we just stopped there and see that that was such a big part of your entry, that it was fun and it was playful. And then I just look at adult life a lot of the times and there's not a lot of playfulness and fun or it's like organized this is the time for it. This isn't. Um, so it's just really cool to hear that and to see kind of what you've done and to kind of express your experience and give it to people in this way that we can use. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a, it felt like a really separate space for me even back then where I was, I was really having fun 
while I was improvising. And right. then when I was not, I was worried just like anyone else, you know, right. well, probably more so. <laughs> like I was very anxious, tended to worry a ton about everything. And so I think that is what made it so memorable for me is that it felt so different than how my real life was. Right. Like, once I got up on the stage and I was following the improv rules, like I really felt like invincible. I felt like I could do anything. I felt like the best version of myself. And so that idea really stuck with me as I got older of like, how do I have that like sprinkled throughout my day instead of in this really limited, you know, performance place. Right. Yeah. Right. It's almost like you're expand. Like you said, it's this, the space you went was a kind of safe, playful place. And now you're trying to expand the space that you can be playful and, and, you know, yourself is what your best self is what you said, which is so interesting because yeah. And I like that you don't shy away from like, let's talk about how weird this is and the anxious we feel and like uncomfortable, it, you know, with our brains going constantly, you know, it's, it's impossible. I mean, it's very difficult to not go that, that direction of just constantly thinking. And when we're, and this is another thing, being present, which is what kind of you lead us to, and at least the articles, I haven't read the book, but I will be ordering it. Um, and so maybe we could talk just a little bit about um, some of the early experiences of you trying to use it. Like before you were like, I'm writing this as a thing, and I'm going to show others. Like, how did you start being like, let's splash a little bit of improv rules into regular life yeah that happened after even grad school i went back and got my phd in drama and theater studies and uh i did my dissertation on basically how improv affects your brain and cool. and so it was really looking at psychology and cognitive science and trying to put together a theory of what's happening with the brain specifically with improv and so i did that i'm supposed to be this expert <laughs> smart guy about improv and I was really I didn't have any of that in my real life like I was really um yeah just really in my head really like really not in a good place and so it was after that it was after I was out of school I'm in the real world um and I just I don't know I just felt this need to like pull all this that I knew in in this really theoretical way and find a way to use it in my everyday life. So it, it, it really was from that like disconnect of like, right. I should know better. Like I do right. know better, right. but I don't have any way to, to translate it. And I think right. a lot of improvisers are like that. Um, we tend to be like an anxious lot, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, which seems strange, right? You would think improvisers would be really confident bold people and I'm sure sometimes they are but I've met so many people who are fairly anxious um, and then it feels like a, a release for them like a, a separate playful space and maybe that's why they're drawn to it and so I, I wanted to start figuring out like how can I create this roadmap to like sprinkle this throughout my day and, and feel better and not take things so seriously and be able to like talk to someone and listen to them Right. Instead of like constantly being in this like judgmental critical space. Man, I, I 
completely agree, you know, because I'm a human person as well. <laughs> and even with these interviews and, you know, before I did the podcast, I did, I, I did written interviews and in my head, I was like, I have to keep them written because then I can take out all my ums and all yes. my issues and all yes. like the, the questions that didn't land or, but everything was planned. So I was always looking for a segue into my next question, Yeah, you know, and I got good at it. And I was like, I'm very good at this because I have control, <laughs> you know, and it was, it was only till I started this to, to where I started, you know, I would write like, listen on the top of my page yeah, and try, I, I have notes and I'll look at them if I, if I want, but a lot of times it's more interesting to see where this goes naturally. And that's kind of super uncomfortable because like right now, I don't know what you're going to, I just said that. And that's not, it's not even a question. Yes. I didn't even pose a question. Yeah. I just like said a thing and I'm like, let's see what he does. Yeah. You know, or let's see what you do. And it's just, it's, it's uncomfortable and that's kind of part of it. Yeah. And I think that there's the, like a trust aspect. So we've been talking for a, a few minutes, right? I've been answering your questions, right? I'm not like getting stuck or I'm not combative, right? So I, I you build this rapport and then you're like, okay, I, I trust this guy. I don't know what he's going to say, mm -hmm. but I know he's going to say something. And then if I really listen, I can say something else. And I think that's the thing about improv that's so, um, that's such a relief is that I, I don't have to worry about the whole thing. I just mm -hmm. have to worry about what you're saying right now, which is so, it's so nice. It's so relaxing to be like, you know, just thinking about right now, what are you saying? And then I say something. And then before you know it, the hour is up and, right. and you have the whole podcast interview. You know? Dude, I, I don't have to worry about the whole thing. Like I've read a lot of spiritual books and I feel like that's up there. <laughs> yes. with, like, right. cause that's like, I don't have to worry about, like, that's almost the goal. Like, and I'm not, I'm not bashing planning. I'm not bashing having like an idea and intention, all good stuff. Yeah. But not worrying about the whole, cause you can't worry about the whole thing. And I mean, you you probably have more insight, in, you know, within the psychology of how much our brains can actually absorb and function, you know, but just that, and can I just worry about what's happening now is so simply profound. It's like, that's, that's one I'm, I'm putting that in my pocket All for right. sure. The problem though, is it's easier said than done. I think that was my problem being this improv guy. And I wrote the dissertation and I had the academic book and I was presenting at conferences about it. Um, but like the, I didn't, I knew that I needed to be more present, right? Like, mm -hmm. sure. Um, and I think a lot of people know that, right? If you look online, there's so much information yeah. about like, be present, be mm -hmm. mindful. And mm -hmm. uh, for me, I just, I, I tried yoga, I did meditation, I was working out all the time, I was, I was trying to do things. Um, but I needed a way that was more fun, and more gradual, um, and definitely more playful. And also that really felt like a roadmap. Like I think me on a yoga mat, like even when the yoga teacher is so good and mm -hmm. I, I'm not bashing yoga, like I love yoga, I think it's great. Yeah. But even when they're so good at, at the end, I would hear like, and this is how it connects to your life. I'm like, okay, I, I, I get that. And then I roll up my yoga mat 
And someone like walks in front of me and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right. And then I'm spiraling and, and it, it's right. as if I never took a yoga class. Right. So I needed something that I could use like when I was out in the world, when I was at the dog park, when I was walking down the street. Um, and so that's what I really, really tried to do is like not a separate space. I wanted something that was just designed to be used everywhere. Right. And I mean, it's interesting because the practicality of it is so essential because yeah, with the so many spiritual traditions and then just like you said, just even outside of spirituality, just ways to, you know, philosophies and ideologies that are that that people use to kind of control their emotions or be more present or whatever their goal is or it's it's oftentimes and i'll talk to people on the podcast i'm like okay I, I love that now how do i use that like how do i turn it into actual practical tools and it's one of those things it's it's interesting too because you know intellectually we get stuff i think first it's like yeah, of course I get it. And having it like locked down into like your actual physical self, whether you say like emotionally, you feel it wherever it's, that's so hard, you know, it's so hard to do. And especially with, you know, the day-to-day -day challenges, like someone walking in front of you in a yoga class, <laughs> you know, the hard stuff. Yeah, exactly. uh, that used to but, be the stuff that like set me off. Well, right? No, like, I ah. know. Yeah. 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 There's no, and that's not the only reason I say it like that. Cause that's real. Yeah. Like there's no, like there's, Oh man, I can't tell you how many people in the grocery stores. I've just been like, Oh, I hate that person. What? <laughs> I don't know that person's name. I know. I know. Like all I know is that they took one step. I didn't like, or something like that. Yeah. Or they took a little too long here or they, it's just like, it's mind boggling. Um, so let's say, let, let, let's get into some of the practical things then like let's let's talk a little bit about what games maybe like what do you do like what can what can we try uh for those for me those are like my social anxiety kind of things and my it's linked up with what used to be some sort of rage issues <laughs> um and so for me it's about games that um are helping me not think that i'm like separate from so one of the games that i do is uh the alien game mm -hmm. and i just pretend a lot of my games are have to do with like pretend you know pretending right. i'm this or pretending right. they're that yeah. um, and the alien game you just pretend that you are an alien from another planet and you don't know how people buy groceries you don't know how they walk down the street and so you're really like trying to figure it out. Like how fast do people walk? Okay. And like, which, which side do they walk on? Like, are we smiling? Are we serious? And so the idea is you're in a sort of silly way. Um, your goal is to try to like fit into what's really happening instead of like, I have to go to work and like, I don't care about anything else. I, I'm not seeing anyone as people. I'm just like locked in because that's always what would set me off is like I'm thinking of myself as either more important or I'm not thinking about the other people. Um, and so it's it's games like that, I think, really helps me to shift out of, um, you know, that me versus everyone else. Right. Way of thinking. Right. The separateness and the, the illusion of separateness is some of the fancier, you know, people I've heard will say. And 
but that's not untrue. And it's funny because I, I didn't realize I think I have some games. I didn't know that I did that. Now, I like the alien one because it's more fun. <laughs> like I want sounds... to hear your game. Okay, so I just realized this because sometimes what I'll do is I'll I'll like pretend well you know this will come out in january but this we're around we're around the holidays right now christmas time so i kind of like ebenezer scrooge myself where i pretend like i am back here like i pretend like i haven't been like if i go into i'm walking down the hallway to my job i'll I'll pretend like i haven't seen this place in 70 years i'm just like oh wow remember this and i remember that picture i haven't seen that and like walking in and like and what will just like what you said, I'll, I'll, I'll just, the inventory will hit me differently and everything will be like, I'll have a fondness for things that I ignored or even people that I'm like, Oh, remember how mad you used to make me <laughs> like, yeah. and it's, it just is like a shift in perspective. And what I really like is we're just using our imaginations, which how often do I, I, I think people use their imagination all the time, but I feel like a lot of times it's like, to a desired end that usually has something to do with business or making something or doing, you know, something this, as opposed to trying to sink into the moment. I'm not saying we're not, we don't have a desired end, but I, I feel like, man, we have this tool, this imagination tool that I think we've left behind as kids a lot of the time that we could still use for this kind of stuff. Yeah. And a lot of the games from the book, uh, yes, it comes from improv and it comes from the principles of improv and, and all the writing and thinking I've been doing over the now over a decade on improv. But a lot of it also comes from like growing up. It comes from me being a kid and already doing these things, you know, like my mom having a fun way that would like trick us into cleaning our room and stuff like that. It's right. like we already were playing our way saying. Right. And so a lot of it is just taking that and putting it into adult life and and not in a way of you know like before your meeting starts at your corporate job everyone does like an icebreaker i'm not saying that like i i don't want to do that no and i'm like the improv one of right. the improv guys who's supposed to like that kind of thing i don't really like that kind of thing right because it mm -hmm. feels like prescriptive it feels like right. we all have to do it maybe i'm not in the mood for that and so it was important for me to come up with something that was a really like solo, like a hero's quest, like a solo mm -hmm. adventure where no one has to know. And actually part of many of the exercises in the book are that you should play it in a way so that no one finds out you're playing. It's almost um, more fun. Yeah. In a way. I'm it's like, they don't know. Secret. They don't yeah. know I'm an alien. Exactly. And it, so it makes it more fun. And it also, I don't know, it makes it something that you can do on your own. Like you can just decide today, I'm just going to try this one exercise. No one has to know I'm doing it. Um, and so I don't know, that was really important for me because it's working with a group. It, it's like a whole nother, it's a very different experience. Like that's, I, you know, I can't target an individual's anxiety in the same way if we're all working on some sort of collective goal. Um, there's right. other great things we can work on, like our you know, cohesion and rapport and trust and like groups are are fascinating and improv's really great for that. But I really wanted something that was like something just I could do. Right. I mean, man, there's so much there to to just dig into. 
that I'm forgetting like where I even went so many things. This is the problem with the being present. But yeah, I just, I I love all of it because um, it, it does, it does help our, you know, the, the idea that we have options on our perspective is something that I think we forget too. And just the having fun in your in and of itself just for that thing i don't i don't know i just think that's so valuable that uh i i just think it's just super useful and i i totally lost the thing i wanted to say though and like my brain's trying to find it that's right we can like give it time Mm -mm, we could talk about something else in the meantime and it'll like percolate back up um well i do I, i i also think it's about breaking things that feel like um, are at our core. Like for me, a lot of it is just like breaking up like habitual behaviors, mm-hmm. um, like trying something new. Like today I'm going to, you know, instead of just walking the dog, like I'm going to like look and like say what everything is as I walk past. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be like mailbox, road, grass, and like maybe nothing happens. Or maybe I notice that I'm not overthinking or mm-hmm. maybe I'm like noticing something about my dog or about. Right. And so it's it's more about um, e- experimenting and seeing like right. what happens if I do this. When I taught acting, I, I would tell the students like I want you all to be like Dora, the acting explorer, mm-hmm. and I'm going to throw some things at you. You're going to try it. Um, I want you to be really open to it to see like what happens. Like, I'm curious, does this affect me? Does this, and then you start deciding what works for you and what doesn't, because there's no like one size fits all when it comes to acting or improv or really anything. Right. It's like, and I've thought of this before too. And I like to hear you say it because it's almost like our life is this little experiment. (laughs) Like you have to try something and try it you know, uh, maybe, maybe a handful of times to know, oh yeah, that's actually working or that's not working and to do it in a playful way. And I liked earlier, um, kind of flashback. Maybe this was the thing I was thinking, maybe not, I don't remember, but this reminded me of it is to, to do, I've always talked about, you know, well, you know, experiment with your life, drink more water and see if you feel better just to try it. Not to say I'm supposed to drink more water, but just to see how you feel, you know? And when we think about it in a more playful way, I think that just opens up so many doors and how you mentioned earlier about um, part of it was being just from your childhood um, and remembering how to play then, because also one of the things, like what you mentioned, embracing uncertainty, uh, it's so uncomfortable to do, but there was a splash of that in our kid games. Like when we played hide and seek, the exciting part was like, that I might be found at any second. Like you remember that like there was a tension, but an excitement. And when you are talking to the actors and you're saying like, just be open to it, see how it feels for you. Like that really hit me. Cause it's just like, Oh yeah, I have to kind of first, I have to just step in, try the, the game or the thing or the new thing I haven't tried and just see how it feels. And then I can make a decision and then I can go from there. And that's one of the things about improv is that um, the whole yes and idea, part of it is that we say no. Part of why people say no is to stay safe. 
to protect themselves from uncertainty, right? So if I'm doing an improv scene with someone and they say, you know, hi, mom, like I'm home, like it's safer for me in a way to be like, I'm not your mom. Or like, who are you? Or or something like that. Because then you have I control know, now. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have to do this scene. I don't know what's going to happen if I'm, if I'm the mom. Like, that sounds scary. Like, that makes me start sweating. Like, I don't, right? And so we have this instinct to shut things down. And I think we do this also at work, right? Of like, oh, what if, right? You're in the brainstorming session. I, I'm a teacher, so I don't know what real jobs look like. So, <laughs> right. But let, let's say you're in the, some brainstorming session and someone says, oh, what about, what about this? What if we focused on this and, and this is the idea? Like, often people are like, no, right? We don't have the budget. We don't have the money. That will never work. It's very easy for people to come up with all the million reasons why it won't work. And it's so frustrating, right? To the people who are coming up with ideas. And what ends up happening is people stop coming up with ideas, right? If I know that it's going to be roadblock and impasse after impasse, fine, right? I'm going to just sit there in the meeting. It's not going to be productive. And then I clock in, clock out, I go home. Uh, instead, you know, it's really exciting to have this yes and thing happening where you say, I don't know how we can make that idea work. There's something to it. Right. What if we also did this or that or that or that? And then it, like the ideas build off of each other. And maybe they don't take my idea as it originally was, but there's maybe something in it that was worthwhile that we could work with. I think that's the really, really useful part about yes and. It's great for improv, right? It, it, right. it takes away the fear. Like if I know you're going to just go along with what I say, that really frees me up. I don't have to stress about it, right? I'm like, he's got this. He's going to say some stuff. I'm going to say some stuff. Right. If you said no, right, I would be really scared, right? Because there's, it's really uncomfortable in improv and, and not when someone shuts you down, right? And then you're just standing there. You're like, uh-oh, I'm not your mom because I said no. And now I don't know who you are, like, we're just, we're in limbo. We're just like standing yeah. there in front of this audience and we have no idea, right? And I think the same thing happens off the stage, right? If people are like rejecting each other's ideas, I think they're doing it to be safe and, and practical often. Um, but what ends up happening is like, we got nothing. Like it's really right. uncomfortable to just be like, we don't right. know what we're going to do right. because we can't like build off of each other. Right, and what's the harm in just yes anding and just considering the comment because you say no so quick I, I a lot of times i'm like i don't know if you really considered any of it or you were just like that's right. not what we do and i do that that's not what i do like i have you know i oh no that's not yeah. me. and you know i have to it's almost like i'm having a, a corporate meeting in my head with a bunch of different voices and some of them are like nope we have a thing and we do it like this yeah. don't say it and then there's just one other voice like hey what if we and that's the guy that I feel like I just need to support. That's my yes and voice. And I feel like a lot of us have a yes and voice that's just saying, hey, yeah. what if you yeah. did this? Yeah, I think we have this. Like, look, look at kids. Like, we don't, you don't have to train kids how to do improv and how to yes and each other, right? Like a little two-year-old. Like, I, I have an almost three-year-old. And I mean, 
what was it this morning? She's she's eating breakfast and she's eating her little cereal bar thing. And she, she said, uh, I she like closed one eye and she goes, I a pirate. And she goes, uh, this mine, I a pirate, you a ghost. Right. You can't have my food. And I'm like, what is happening? Like right. I didn't have to teach her how to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I said, like, well, the ghost is gonna get your breakfast you <laughs> right. know and then it, we started playing that game right i didn't have to train her to do that mm-hmm. like kids mm-hmm. just do that um and it's pretty i mean yes kids shut down each other's ideas yeah. like i want to play this no i want to play that but once they're playing like they know how to yes and right so i think we all have it but then we you know as we get older we're like we have to be practical we have to get things done we have to like have this end result um, and so, yeah, a lot of that play and exploration is like sucked out of it because we don't have time. Right. Right. I mean, can you imagine what this, what I love about that story is there's a version of that story where you're like, finish your breakfast. We have things to do. Yeah. And there's a version of that story where you turn into a breakfast ghost. Like how <laughs> yeah. cool is that? Like you didn't wake up this morning and be like, I can't wait to pretend I'm a breakfast ghost. But like, exactly. I don't know if a breakfast ghost existed before we started talking. Right. But like, right just because of the ability to hear it for her and the natural thing of a kid to have an idea and just be like, let's try this. Yeah. And then, you know, you need to be like, yes, let's do that. And so then it's more likely that she's going to initiate play with me again. Right. Right. And so she's like, Oh, like daddy is going to go along with whatever silliness. And then she's going to get sillier and sillier probably and more and more creative. Um, and a, adults are the same, right? Mm-hmm. Of if we have people shutting us down again and again and again, like we're gonna be shut down creatively. We're gonna we're gonna start opting out. Right. We're gonna just say, all right, I'll just do the path that they told me to do because yeah. that's the one. There's only one, and you know that voice gets quieter and quieter, and then we don't really know how to access it. Which is why I think these uh, games and stuff are, are good ways of accessing that little yes and voice or that what if what if we tried this you know and especially i i tend to be a very conflict avoidant person i think it there's a lot of people yeah and like (laughs) to where if you know something that's not a conflict feels like a conflict to me so even just the idea that i'm going into something into a safe space like the idea that if you know i say something you're now I know you well enough to know he's not going to tear me apart. If I, even if I say something wrong, I have a feeling you're probably going to be able to communicate a way that's not unsafe feeling to me. But um, yeah, that's a hard space to get into in, in the regular world. And sometimes I think we even internalize it. And then our own internal dialogue feels unsafe. Like I'm critiquing my own yes ands and what ifs and should i try this should i not and then before i even let it out like you said you know with with your two-year-old you know giving her the opportunity to become creative because she's used to being able to share ideas and being able to hear that voice that says i'm a pirate and it's my breakfast yeah and i think that idea that internal critic is a big part of what's happening with the you know psychology of improv i think um it's I think, I don't know if we know for sure yet, um, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the improv studies show that um, the benefits that improv has to reduce anxiety, 
to help us be better about uncertainty tolerance and things like that, it's more pronounced, uh, more significant for people who are less confident, shyer, quieter, right? Mm. And so that makes sense, right? I think for a lot of people who don't speak up, um, well, I used to be one of them, but now I, <laughs> you can't shut me up now. Um, but I think part of it is that internal monologue, right? Of like, don't say that. That's a dumb idea. And I think improv is a way for people to try something else. And someone who normally would not say anything, like you actually have to in improv. Like it's a total team sport. Um, no one's going to put you on the spot. No one's going to push you onto the stage. But the goal is that we're really sharing the air time really equally. Um, so as someone who used to really like hog too much space in improv, and someone who continues to do that in his real life, I'm aware of that. So I, I'm like, oh, you talked too much. Maybe just think your next idea and, and see what happens when someone else contributes. Same thing with improv. Like you, that person who might not usually contribute is sort of pushed in a way to contribute. And then they're positively rewarded, right? Because they say something. It might not be great, but it's something. And then someone says something and before you know it, they're both having a good time and they're improvising and it feels great. So it's kind of like this exposure therapy. Wow. Yeah. And I, I love the idea that them just saying something, whether it's we, we say it's good or not, ends up somewhere else that they didn't expect because of the team thing, obviously. But I also think that happens on your on your own. I think you had another article about writing on Psychology Today where you oh, were yeah. like, just write something, yeah. whether it be bad or not. And then other things will kind of come out. And I just, I think that aspect of it, of giving the voice to the thing that you're kind of unsure about, especially if you're a quiet person, especially if you're like, of whether it be because you're avoiding conflict or you just feel unsafe or whatever it is, um, giving that voice to it can snowball. And in whether it's a creative endeavor individually or with the group or with friends or, or whatever, like I just love the idea that just say it, just write it down and see what happens. Yeah, it's that it's that non-judgment. I wrote a lot about that over the summer. I've been working on this um, project that's about um, sort of applying improv for young people's creative writing process or writing process. Um, and it that article is sort of a piece of that. But I wrote a ton and I, I sort of mapped it all out. And I really practiced what I was preaching while I was writing it. I would wake up and I would know that I was going to write every morning. And I wouldn't always want to, but I would sit down and I would write and I would not really fully maybe know what was gonna happen, but I write with that same improv spirit as, as I improvise with, right? It's the same idea. So I like going, going, going. And then what happens is it's um, problems have come up for me while I'm in that like writing session. Like, oh, I don't have a good example for that. I don't know how to like flesh this idea out. Um, and I finish, right? I only write for like an hour. And then throughout the day, like my, my unconscious mind can like put the pieces together and see something and notice something and sort of sort it out in this effortless way. Because um, your subconscious, like it's 
pretty limitless, right? It just like sorts of that. That's the thing where you're like taking a shower and you're like, I thought of it. I figured it out, right? Not because you were trying to, but you like were daydreaming or thinking about something else and it just came to you. Um, and so then the, the process, if you start doing that, like you have to say something, you have to write something. And then like once you like, I don't know, become accustomed to it, things start to sort themselves out really effortlessly. And then you sit down and write again and you know exactly what you're going to do. So, so I've been doing this for so long that like I, I map it all out in my head. And then the next day I just sit and I can write like thousands and thousands of words because it's all been sort of floating around, you know? That. And so, so that I think is what I'm trying to get to for my students like mm -hmm. I want to explain to them and, and teach them and have them experience that idea of like, you just have to say something and then say mm -hmm. something else and say something else and not worry about like, is that the perfect first line? Um, because you can always change the first line later. But right. the hard part for a lot of people is like, they just don't start, right? And I think right. it's because of all those voices in their head that are saying like, no one's going to buy this book or no one's or you're not going to get an a on this story or all, all the all those thoughts that right. say that you can't um so that's that's something that i think about a lot is like how improv can be this tool for just it, it doesn't matter one thing one other thing i want to say about that is mm -hmm. as an improviser i was really jealous of people that would have great initiations mm. like they'd walk on stage and they'd have this amazing first line that would really be delightful or funny or like paint a bit of the scene. I am not that way. Like mm -hmm. I would enter a scene and have no idea what I was, I could just could not think of like how to start the scene. So I would like do something. Maybe I would like be like itching my shoulder. That's still an initiation. Mm -hmm. My scene partner can come in and be like, oh, you still have that rash. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. We're yes anding. I don't know who I am. I don't know who you are. I don't know where we are, but the scene has gotten started. Right. right. And then I can figure it out just by listening and, and adding on. I think the same is true for writing. Like you can, sometimes I just write like hilarious subtitle here <laughs> and then just know that like later on my brain will figure out what that hilarious subtitle is going yeah. to be. So I love that. It just, I mean, it feels like you're just, you're, planting a seed you're just yeah. planting that seed and if you plant a seed out in your garden you don't just sit there and like yell at it and like force it to come up eventually it comes up now i know i'm saying this like someone who knows about gardening is like that's not exactly <laughs> how it works if you scream know. at it the whole time it'll still come up at the same time but point being is you know planting the seed and then allowing it to kind of uh you know create itself in your unconscious as you I, I used to do this in college a lot when I would have a paper to write I would I realized later in my you know scholastic scholastic career I suppose I was writing it already in my head because mm -hmm. I'd be like oh no I haven't put anything on paper and I was like yeah but I've been every time I drive I'm like yep. because I planted it and so sometimes yep. with friends even now if like I'm scared of doing a thing like let's say this podcast I might go to somebody and be like, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. And if they say yes, whatever, then that kind of adds some fertilizer, but then my, the seed is planted. And so now like I kind of have a thing now where I know, oh man, if I plant that seed, something's going to come up. 
Yeah. Like even if I fight it, like all I the the hard part was just saying it and putting like a voice to it, or maybe yeah. like you said, typing the first line or scratching your shoulder. Yeah. Um, but some some way of planting that seed to where your unconscious can be like, well, when we're bored, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna dig into that. But we don't know what it's gonna look like. Like I think with the podcast example, uh-huh. like it may not end up being a podcast. Like right. over the summer, I wrote a book. I wrote a full book. I don't know. Is that going to end up being like a part of my curriculum? Is it going to end up being workshops? Will it actually be a book? Like, I don't know. Right. And I don't care. I used to care. I used to be like, I have to have a book. I have to have this. These are the like check marks that I'll have where by the time they're all checked, I can be happy or something. I don't know, whatever people think. <laughs> right. And so now I know like it's, it's in the doing. It's like, I felt compelled. I felt creatively inspired and I went about it in the wrong way. Right. If I wanted a, a book, I would pitch the idea. I'd write a proposal. I'd land a book deal. Then I would write the book. And I sort of went through that for the past few years and it was sucking all the fun out of it mm-hmm. because like, I don't necessarily want to sell books. Mm-hmm. Um, I love teaching. I love writing. Um, I love thinking and talking about improv, but I don't have to have a book, right? But when I feel compelled creatively to do something, I think it's important to to do that thing and, and not know and say like, I don't know right. what the end result is going to be. Right. That's really hard for people. I think people want like, you know, I'm going to sell that series to Netflix and I'm going to, and people have really very specific, like I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live. Like they have Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. difficult, narrow visions of like what success looks like. And the, if we're doing these things in like a yes and improv way, we have no idea how things will play out. But if we like plant that seed and yes and and yes and, we will be taken to a place right? right and and maybe it'll look vaguely like the one you thought it mm-hmm. was but like maybe right. it won't and, and my whole trajectory has been that like i never thought i was going to be an improv researcher person right. like that was not in my on my vision board mm-hmm. um but it you know i just you do a thing and you do another thing and you keep that open receptive um you know sort of spirit about you and and then you see what happens i think it's and that's another easier said than done thing oh it's it's huge and it's one of those things you forget and you remember and you forget and you remember you know it's a constant you know thing where it might not hold on to your every action but when you remember it you're like oh yeah because that's a that's in the bhagavad-gita that's in like thousands year old text hindu text that says you know the actions are yours but the fruits of those actions are not like those you have to do the thing but how it ends up that's not up to you just what you do is up to you and it's like that's so hard to do um but i've never been right about how a thing ended up (laughs) like so why am i even picking (laughs) like why am i pretending like i have this track record of being able to know how things are going to turn out so yeah, letting go of the the idea, the result that you think is going to happen is the hard part. But man, it's so such a huge lesson that it's been talked about by humans forever, for, forever. Yeah, and we're we're still trying, but like it's so good. 
I think that's why I am I'm so drawn to improv. Like it, it's such a practical way to access those like theoretical ideas, right? right? Like we we can all read those things. Maybe some people can embody it just by reading it. I am not one of those person people. Yeah. Like I, you know, that was sort of my struggle throughout my academic career is that I would read it, I would understand it, and and you know, it would be very separate. It was like from here up, right? Right. Um, and so improv gave me a way to like sh really like shut this off, mm -hmm. so that I like my my improv kind of character persona was like not the smartest guy, right? He wasn't mm -hmm. trying to be fancy. He wasn't trying to get a PhD. Like he was like silly and naughty and and ornery and right. And so that was so freeing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was accessing like all of my intelligence in a way because I wasn't just in my head. And so I think that is, luckily I've been able to transfer that to my writing and to my teaching. Like when I'm teaching sometimes I have a moment where I'm just like, what are you even saying? Because really? I'm so in the moment um, that, you know, I'm not following some sort of pre-scripted lesson. Like I, we're, we're sort of going on tangents, but I, I have the sort of seed of where we need to end up and what we need to learn, but like how we get there mm -hmm. is so up in the air. And then I'm like, oh, I was going to do this lesson tomorrow, but now I'm not because they were really excited about this. Mm -hmm. And so how can I fold that in? And then it becomes this really exciting creative process. Right. Um, so I think that's why a lot of, there's a lot more research about how great improv is for, you know, reducing anxiety and boosting confidence and lowering stress and, and all this stuff. Um, and it just feels so counterintuitive to people because they hear improv and they're like, that sounds awful. I could never do that. Sounds terrifying. But it, you know, I guess my my lesson that I wish everyone would take away is that it's what you know about improv, unless you have done it, like is at least not entirely true, right? Most improv 101 classes are not for performers. They're not for people who are like stand-up comedians. They're just people who like want to be better about like having a back and forth with someone. And so it's not this competitive, like who can be zanier or anything like that. It really is this place where you can experience this feeling of people going along with your ideas. Um, and in a, in a really introductory class, like the stakes are so low. Like the, the instructor is just trying to get you comfortable. They're just trying to get you to like say the next thing that makes sense. They're trying to teach you, don't be funny. Don't try to be funny. Don't try to be creative. Don't try to one-up anyone. Just say the next thing that makes sense. And once you realize that that's what improv is, like it's, that's I think when it starts to become fun, you're like, oh, I don't have to think of anything funny. Right. Um, and then the funniness is like a, a byproduct. Like if I'm really right. being myself, and I say something that makes sense with what you said, like mm -hmm. sometimes it's funny, right? And, right? and so it's not, when I'm trying to be funny, it just doesn't work. So mm -hmm. I, I wish that's one thing I really want people to know about improv. Like it's not what you probably think it is. Right. right? right. That freedom to just explore and um, feel safe to do so and just see what happens.
Yeah. I feel like, and it's funny because I mean, I I haven't seen a ton of improv, but I've I've seen enough um, to where you can see it on sometimes the performers' faces, where it's like they're going down this road and then they're they're having fun with it because yeah. they didn't expect that thing yeah. to happen, and, and so as, it's like, yeah. As it's an just... audience, we love that, right? Like that's mm -hmm. when the performer is like trying to not crack up, and like, yeah. we love to right. be surprised as an audience. And I think as a performer, like when you have the improv tools, like you're cool with being surprised too, right? It becomes right. really fun to be like, I cannot believe they just said that. Right. Like now it's getting interesting, right? It becomes right. really fun to try right. to like make That's... the scene work. Right. I think I heard, uh, I think I heard an interview with Chris Gethard once and he said something along the lines of like, I'm not trying to trick people. I'm just like one half step ahead. Yeah. Like I'm saying a thing like they know where like it's the ne next logical thing. Yep. But the laugh comes when I'm just I just said it right before. Yep. Right before you thought it. And that's you know, great. he's like and you know, he just thought it. and I just think that's there's so many applicable ways we can use this in life which we've just shown. I and so we're we're creeping up on our hour. Okay. Um so I always end with two questions. And these right. don't have to be quick questions. You can answer okay. them however you like. Um the first one and improv could be your answer but if you want to we'll we'll see okay. um so i i started this based on this idea that you know i i like to explore stuff that is interesting to me but i also like to share it you know like hey check out this song or this book or this what something that affected me it could be a practice to so check out you know this meditation that i tried or whatever so if you were to just suggest something to listeners, it can be one thing, it could be a couple, and it could be anything at all. It can be a big practice or just a TV show you like, anything. Wow. Okay. I'm going to do some, just like a, a couple things. I don't cool. know. So I'm going to say a, a novel. So Sheila Hetty's novel called Pure Color. I think she's Canadian. So it's C-O-L-O-U-R. Okay. Like Got Canadian. it. Right. Um, it's... It was recommended by a friend, uh, Rachel Yoder, who wrote a novel, Night Bitch. Um, and so I loved that novel. I loved her novel, not just because she was my friend, but it was like, mm -hmm. unlike anything I'd read, it was really, it felt really raw and really creative. And I, I love, I read a lot of literature because I it like fills mm -hmm. up that creative cup for me. Um, and so Pure Color is truly unlike anything I've ever read. I cannot explain it to you. I cannot give you a plot summary. Like it is, it, it's really like simple and complicated. It doesn't seem to be following any sort of roadmap that I've ever seen a novel follow. Uh, I didn't have any idea really what I was reading. Is it real? Is it a, a dream? Is it a prayer? Like, I, I don't know. And then the last page, I was in tears, like somehow it like came together. So that actually inspired me to write my whole book that, or I don't know, is it going to be a book? We don't know. But over right. the summer, after I read Pure Color, I was like so inspired. Um, so people should check that out. And Pure Color. Pure yeah. Color is amazing. And then I'm going to say The Sopranos, <laughs> the old okay. TV show. Uh, right. I just watched it for the first time. Uh, we just okay. finished it like a couple weeks ago. So yes, late, late to the party. Mm -hmm. I get it. Um, but I think there's something about like the acting and the characters that 
felt really somehow creatively fulfilling and exciting yeah. to me. So That's if right. you are one of the two people who have I have not, not watched. The okay, Supremes. there you go. There you go. Yeah. So this might be directly to me, but there you go. Just yeah, to I haven't. Yeah, that's good. That's it's really funny because I've gotten such a gamut of answers, but no one's suggested the Sopranos yet in 2023. So I appreciate yeah, great, I appreciate great. that. Because I mean these I mean, there's a reason that it was that popular. You yeah, know, it doesn't I, happen I do, on yes. accident. So I think yeah. so. Okay. Um, so my last question is uh based off the story of Peter Pan and the uh, lost boys are in Neverland and they okay. get some pixie dust and then they think of a happy thought and that's what elevate elevates them lets them fly so what would your happy thought be oh i wish you know well uh, it's improv so i'm going to say the the you know logical obvious answer mm -hmm. um, but it sounds like a sort of cans not that cool answer but it, it's my family like mm -hmm. my, my yeah i have a almost three-year-old six-year-old uh it, it's you know it's really a nice time you know, mm -hmm. like to, to have young kids in the house and uh, they're silly, they're funny. Um, and it's it's really cozy. Like I'm doing like holiday traditions more than ever. And so I think my happy thought has to be my family for sure. I mean, I think it's a perfect answer. I mean, it's it's one of those, you know, I've heard it a couple of times, but it always lands and it always is significant. And um, I, I appreciate that. It's okay. I mean, sometimes we get answers that, shoot, the reason I came up with that question was because I there was this moment in a pro wrestling match that i remembered when i was like 10 and every once in a while i would remember it and i'd be like oh that's awesome <laughs> like that's and so, great and now i have people talking about their families i was like oh i was thinking about two guys pretending to be mad at each other so they would fake fight but i mean that's great i think the you know those are those are good ones too Right. Any anything that brings that there, anything that lifts you, I think is good. Um, well, thank you again for doing this um, and sharing everything that you've kind of experienced and dug into. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks. See you later. See ya. Thanks for listening. Remember, you are always everything. Bye.